The following program is a part of the Movie Morgue Network. been dead for such a very, very long time, but I've come back to bring you news of the most gruesome twosome ever produced. Welcome to the Bitter Bastard Nerdcast. This is a spoiler podcast. And now, your hosts, Tim S. Turner and Kelly Hogaboo. Hello again, Merry Christmas, and welcome to the 22nd episode of the Bitter Bastard Nerdcast. It's that time of year again, time for reflection on the blessings life has given us, and of course, time to watch senseless violence being wrecked on an unsuspecting populace. No new releases from us this month, but we decided to raid the bargain bin at your local video store for some choice holiday films. First off, we don our dark shades and leather trench coats for Sylvester Stallone's Cobra, take our Prozac for Christmas Evil, and hide our booze in the toilet in anticipation of Black Christmas. But before we go any further, please help me welcome back to the microphone the founder of the B-Movie BFF's website, Kelly Hogaboom. Hey, good afternoon, Tim. Howdy. So... First off, uh, a friend of mine was like, uh, when, when I told him what we were doing, I said, oh, yeah, we're doing Cobra. They're like, that's not a Christmas movie. It's like, aha, I beg to differ. <laughs> exactly. It, it is set is. at Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Did so, you not remember the whole first scene in the shopping center? Exactly. The yeah. whole thing. There's Christmas galore everywhere. Right. It's perfect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so there. Um, so uh, any, what have you been watching? Uh, lately anything exciting yeah i've been um uh, sort of specific to this podcast i guess uh i really really had a fun time at aquaman um really yes i did i i i mean it was a great film it wasn't too long it had some beautiful visuals like the sea creature design was amazing and i really liked the music um, so it was, it was fun. I enjoyed myself and, um, my family liked it. So that was kind of cool to go out and see kind of that kind of a fun fantasy film right before Christmas. Um, and on yeah, Chris- I, I haven't seen that one. Yet. Oh, I'm so surprised. I know you haven't. Cause I would have seen you on Facebook. I'm so surprised because you're such a comic book guy. Uh, yeah, I know. I just, you know, I, I just can't get the excitement up for the, I, I, you know, it might be a lot of fun. I don't know. I, I just like, uh, two, I saw the running times like two hours and 25 minutes and I was like, holy crap. No, it didn't feel that long to me, which is, I, you know, that I don't like a film more than about an hour and 40 minutes. So I was yeah. sort of surprised. I, I, um, I kept thinking of you though, because <laughs> I don't know anything about the origin, nothing, nothing at all. And so um, 
I kept saying, like, why do they keep saying Ocean Master? Like, that sounds like an off-brand of tuna fish, you know? But, <laughs> like, it turns out that's a major guy. Like, that, because I'm like, yes. oh, it's such a silly, I'm like, that's like if you called me, like, Landy or, like, Sir Dirts a lot or something, like, yeah. Ocean Master. So, but, you know, it, it was it was a lot of fun, and they, you know, they, um, they did a great job with it and I'm not, I'm not surprised it's doing well. And you know, it was, it's a superhero movie. It was fun. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. I I guess they kind of were thinking like, well, if this is the only Aquaman movie we ever put out, we've got to put his two major adversaries in there. Cause both ocean master and uh, black Manta are his two major okay. uh, arch villains. Okay. Um, so, <clears throat> but I, I, I have to say the one thing that got me excited was the Black Manta design is is absolutely perfect. It looks exactly like the comics. I figured exactly. I figured it might because it was kind of unusual, and so I thought, oh, they must be. And I did know that, like, I liked how much color they used. You know, they yes. have the super bright colors. I thought that was great, and <clears throat> I I wonder if like in five years, ten years, the CGI is going to look poor, but it did it held up really well in the film. So you know, no complaints. Super fun movie. Well, I'm glad to hear that it's entertaining because, I, you know, with the exception of Wonder Woman, I've I found the last five years of DC films just yes. to be a complete disaster. Yeah, um, they, they, maybe they're <clears> learning <throat> from their mistakes. And I think the I think the score was the same composer as Wonder Woman, and I like the Wonder Woman okay. score quite a bit too. So the for me, music's a big part of it. If I love the music, I'm going to love the film a lot more. Um, so the, I think they did really well with that. Oh, I agree with that. I also got to introduce uh, Nicole, my my B movie BFF here, uh, to Escape from New York. <laughs> so oh, was, excellent! Yeah, that was super fun um, to watch that with like fresh eyes. Like it's that's always really fun. So we watched that I think last week for our movie night. And um, another one that's that uh, I really liked was um, Picnic at Hanging Rock. Do you know the any, remake or the new one? The new one, the okay. the brand new one. It's like it just um, with Natalie I, Dormer. Yes. Did you see it? I have not, but I I I wanted to see it because I'd just been in love with her. Uh, yeah. Ever since the what was it the Borgias? Is that what she was on? Uh, or the two? No, she, one, I don't. She, I don't know. I don't watch any of that. Oh, um, not at the Borgias. I can't remember. She was on. It was, was on. on I think Tudors. Showtime. Yeah, one of those uh, smutty um, British <clears throat> royals shows. Yeah, where it's something, you know, like some royal family and they have lots and lots of sex. Exactly. And cut heads <laughs> off. So Picnic at Hanging Rock is is based off of one of the most famous Australian, it's kind of like a historical sci-fi fiction 60s novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew nothing about the story, which was cool uh, going in. But I will say this, uh, this new version took a lot of risks and I felt like they were good risks. So I really enjoyed it and I'm glad I knew nothing about the story. She is excellent in it, of course, but it's just a good um, series. So I highly recommend it. Um, Again, it's kind of a goofy story and they did some goofy things with it, but it was super fun. Yeah. I, I, I've only seen the original film, Mm -hmm. which I, which I loved. I thought it was, it's, it's really, um, uh, it's, it's a very quiet film. I think a lot of people, cause it's always in horror movie, um, encyclopedias and, and, uh, you know, histories and stuff. And it, I mean, I, I can kind of see how you, it might fit in there. But I think a lot of people go into it thinking they're getting, 
you know, something that they're not going to get. Yeah. Like a period um, piece, you know, it's a period piece. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, it's really well done. At least the one I've seen, I really liked, but, um, I'll have to watch that too. Yeah. Like I said, it, it took some <clears> risks, <throat> but I liked the risks it took. So I think that's why, you know, it doesn't have the highest rating, um, because I think some people didn't like what they changed and what they added, but I, mm. I loved it. So what about you? What have you been watching? Well, uh, I, I've watched, you know, it's funny. Uh, I kind of had, a, I was off for about a week. And so I, I, I took time to watch a bunch of stuff. And, uh, uh, one of the things I did was I watched some stuff on shutter and God, they really, both of them really disappointed me. Um, one was called Christmas presents. um, and it's it's uh, this this woman her who when she was a child her sister disappeared in the woods and now her and her friends have uh, come back to this country house where where her sister had disappeared and, and it becomes very much like kind of like a slasher film with things happening to these characters and you're kind of wondering who's doing it and <clears throat> but with the ex- I don't know. It's so poorly paced, mm-hmm. and um, and the ending honestly pissed me off. Um, <laughs> I, I I can't really uh, say what happens, but I it just. I mean, I guess I can. It's a spoiler podcast, but it it, it uh, it's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I I didn't care for for the way it ended up. Um, and the other one was um, uh, was it called a uh, creatures were stirring. Or something like that, um, and it's oh man, it is so low budget. It's got a couple of name actors in it, but uh, man, it, 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 okay, this this man and this woman go on this date, and they go into this really tiny local theater. You know, it's going to be some really you know uh, low rent production, whatever they see. It's a little tiny stage and everything. You know, no props, no sets or anything. Uh, very Brechtian looking thing. And <clears throat> when they act out these sketches or whatever, it, it becomes, you know, the, a story. It's an anthology. And they're all so poorly executed. I, I just, and then the ending is just a, a kind of a, a non ending. They're really, really just kind of mm. comes to a, a stop and that's it. And it was frustrating, especially since there was, um, <clears throat> Oh, I'm trying to remember her name. Um, the uh, one of the actresses, uh, lead actresses from uh, Crazy Rich Asians, um, is in the final story, and she's she's great. But you you kind of wonder, it's like, what the hell is she doing in this thing? <laughs> gotcha. Because uh, it's it's very very low budget, and uh, you know, I I, I kind of see what they were trying to go for, but it just. Uh, <sighs> kind of died on the vine for me. I didn't care for it at all. Um, I, I got uh, a box set from arrow who always does an amazing job with the restoration of a lot of Euro films. Um, and it's a box set called the complete Sartana and it's all five films in the spaghetti Western Sartana series. Yeah. With, uh, uh, Johnny Garco, as the lead character and it's it's really cool because he's kind of like you know he's kind of got that man with no name clint eastwood kind of attitude about him but he also has that uh, kind of bat masterson 
<clears throat> kind of, you know, he's like a dandy almost. Okay. He's all in black for the most part with a red kind of red vest. And he's got his, his watch fob and everything, but he's got like a bunch, he's got almost like wild, wild west kind of gadgets. Kind of like, uh, I was going to say like have gun will travel. He was kind of a dandy, right? Kind of like Paladin. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and, and so there, it has a kind of a different feel than a lot of spaghetti westerns in that he's kind of almost like um, like James Bond in the Old West. Okay. Uh, and I and the, you know they're they're lovingly restored from you know original film elements and stuff, and and, and they're really uh, really beautiful. Um, <clears throat> and uh, the last thing I got was um, I got the Blu-ray for um, a film we'll probably talk about in the future. Um, cutting class with the <laughs> right. young Brad Pitt in his first acting assignment, and um, it, it, you know it's a slasher movie, of course, in the, you know late eighties, uh, set in the high school, and uh, it's got uh, it's got Roddy McDowell and Martin Mull for the adult content, and uh, um, uh, young Jill, uh, Jill Sholin, who I've always liked. She she did a lot of stuff like The Stepfather and right. Popcorn and stuff like that. Um, and I, I enjoyed it. It was fun. It, it's not, I mean, it's got a little bit of gore in it, but it's really not very gory. Like, a, like, like some of those tended to be, uh, especially later eighties stuff. Um, so, you know, I mean, those were all fun. Um, and I, I, I watched, um, some of a show. It's, it's not on anymore, but, uh, it was on my friend's, uh, BritBox subscription was the the last detective with Peter Davidson. Oh, I love that one. Love it. And I love the show. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of his doctor on Doctor Who. And honestly, this character is very much like that. Right. If if he was a cop. And so it it was kind of an easy transition for me to go from Doctor Who to this because it's it, it, you know, it it's got all the qualities that made him such a beloved uh, character in the first place, um, and uh, so he's a, he's he's called the last detective because he's the last one that they'll give a case to, right? And because, he's very uh, kind of like uh, down on his luck. Uh, he's got a pretty civil relationship with his ex, but she's always got some new boyfriend, and yes, and of course Sean Hughes. Wait, didn't he just pass this last year? Um. Oh God! No, maybe it's 2017. Anyway, he plays his friend Maud, right? Who's super. Right. Um, right. Everyone loves Maud. That's a great show. I that's a um, I love that one. I've seen them all. Yeah. I, I wish it had uh, been on longer. I think it was on for like four or five seasons. I, I it would have been nice if it, it lasted longer because I yeah. think it really was a lot of fun. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, so I mean, I think that's pretty much everything that I've I've watched. I mean, it, um. I uh, I I have some uh, Blu-rays that are coming my way actually tomorrow in the mail. <laughs> so uh, when I get those, uh, obviously I'll be sharing that next time. Because uh, um, there was a bunch of stuff that came out that was like new that I really wanted to get, and I was like, "Ooh, I gotta get that." Because uh, you know I I have nothing better to do with my time or my money. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish I had more time because there's so many great shows out there. I'm um, I'm trying to I'm struggling through Silent Witness, which is a British procedural. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cop show, but it's kind of supposedly based on the um, not the coroner. What are they called? The um, 
I'm, my mind's blanking. Like the an first, Emmy? Yeah, the Emmy. Camera? There's some other word for it. But yeah, the Emmy. But I'm trying to struggle through that. It feels like it's trying to be prime suspect. It's not as good. But um, but I've heard it's it holds up really well. It's still They're still producing it. So I'm trying to get through that one. And um, I had... I'm watching a show with my husband, which means I can only watch it when he watches it, which is maddening to me because <laughs> he he makes even less time than I do. But um, we're watching Dirty John, which is mm-hmm. such an amazing story. Um, I listened to that podcast um, a few months ago, and I had massive anxiety, uh, but it was so good. So <laughs> they find, they came out with a, I think it's Showtime, or no, Bravo. But um so I'm having to pace myself through that one because I'm on Ralph's schedule. But uh, it's if it was up to me, I'd binge that whole thing like today. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it, there's so much good TV and not enough time. But by the way, it, 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 Ralph's going to have dinner ready for you this time, right? Oh my gosh, that was so rough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can tell I was hungry because I was just, I couldn't stay away from that candy. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So just everybody you know, she uh, uh, Kelly has a, a sewing channel, and she was on it. You know, she was showing how to make a hoodie, and she would take a bite occasionally of this candy, and you're like, this. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you were so awful. You're like that. Literally sounds like you're crunching a block of cement. <laughs> just, <laughs> Ralph was like, it's not that bad. He's giving you shit. <laughs> But it was, no, what was funny was like, cause in the overhead camera, you can see like, sl- like sneaking it, like you're like, like uh, you know, in prison or something, uh, trying to quietly crash. I, I eventually figured out how to mute my microphone, so <laughs> it only took me like eight bites to figure that out. <laughs> so you're, are you going to watch Bird Box? Because um, that's everyone's going crazy about that right now. Um, I, I guess. I mean. <laughs> Um, I, I don't, I don't know. For some reason it doesn't interest me, but I mean, I, I guess I'll watch it cause everybody keeps telling me how great it is. So. Did you ever get to uh, apply a quiet place? Did you ever get to that one? No, okay. no, it, it's going to be on, um, a, a Netflix. So, or, or it might be already. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going to watch it on there, but I've greatly reduced how many times I go to the theater uh-huh. uh, because there's so many rude people out there that uh if they're not constantly talking they're texting with on their phones so in the dark you see like this bright light you know and yeah uh, it's just it's just gotten where people are just so uh, selfish and self-centered it, it's really hard to have a really enjoyable theatrical experience anymore um so it, for me it's like uh, if i'm going to go to the theater it's probably going to be to see something like infinity war because i want to see it on a big screen right Plus, I don't want the spoilers to hit me, you know, because then I, uh, you know, know what, like five year old, <laughs> I am trying to avoid Godzilla spoilers, and I just don't know if I'm going to be able to because I think that comes out in May, mm-hmm. and I don't want to see anything. I don't. I didn't even want to know what monsters were in it, but unfortunately, I already know that. But um, oh yeah, they pretty much ru- ruined that yeah. with the posters. And stuff. Yeah, and you know, if you're on Twitter, what'll happen is someone will start memeing some scene, and so you'll mm-hmm. see a scene, and you'll start to even understand the context, you know, just by the how the meme. So it's really hard to avoid spoilers for these big films, um, because people start talking about them six months ahead of time. So yeah, I hear you on that. Um, I will definitely be in the theater for Godzilla. Hopefully, I will know as little as possible before <clears> I go in there. 
<laughs> oh, uh, and I did see the trailer for Us, mm-hmm. the new Jordan Peele yes. horror film. It looks really creepy. Doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, that, my God. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see that because I, lo- I love Get Out. So Yeah, that's, that's going to probably be... Even when he was, even in some of his uh, Key and Peele sketches, there was a horror element to that, you know, years ago. Um, so I wasn't surprised when he when he came out with uh, Get Out. But um, I'm I'm thrilled that he's sticking with that genre for now. <clears throat> yeah, because he's rebooting Twilight Zone as well. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Okay, well, let's get on to our movies. Um, Nothing says Happy Holidays quite like axe wielding gangs cutting a swath across Los Angeles. When a model witnesses a brutal murder, she goes on the run from the Night Slasher and his motorcycle-riding goons, and only Lieutenant Marion Cabretti can save her. To show her they really mean business, they hack Sledgehammer to death and attack her in a hospital. Now the only person she can turn to is the ultimate He-Man, Cobra. Society is breeding a new kind of criminal... It's also breeding a new kind of cop. Meet Cobra. He does the job nobody wants. Did you use unnecessary deadly force? I used everything I had. Do you know you have an attitude problem? Yeah, but it's just a little one. You think you would recognize me if you saw him again? The tall one? Yeah. The one that wants to kill you. Do what you have to do to get a lead on this maniac. And if I find him, do what you do best. <laughs> so I rewatched this this morning. Oh my god, what what a what a phenomenal film. It's it's almost perfect. It's so good. It it really is. Um you know, first of all, I think Stallone is at the height of his hubris in this film. Um he's so uh arrogant and half the time in the film he really feels it seems like he's not even putting effort into it but it but it works you know he, he walks around with these shades on all the time and he's got a he's got a match in his his mouth mm-hmm. would match and most of his dialogue is unintelligible <laughs> he he speaks so quietly and he mumbles it because like <clears throat> his big line uh you're the disease i'm the cure it comes out like this. And you're like, what? Right. I mean, I had my uh, subtitles on. I'm like, oh, right. Yeah, that's right. He, he did say that. You know, um, it, it, it's hilarious. Uh, there's the, the, the masturbatory shots of him, like, cleaning the gun and, you know, putting in his ammo. And, uh, and of course, everybody else, with the exception of his partner on, on the force, 
are a bunch of dirty liberal pussies, right. you know, who who want to just like give the criminals a hug, you know. Right. Um, <laughs> so I mean, I have to exercise all of my discipline not to take over this entire conversation, because, <laughs> but I. To that point, I really think he was trying to be this laconic badass, but he does come across as just, like, sleepy. Like, he doesn't yeah. have that charisma yet, or or it wasn't quite a fit for him or something. Because the, the one-liners, especially in the first 20 minutes of the film, they're just dropping these corny, you know, I don't deal with psychos, I put them away. You know, like, yeah. and the line sounds good on paper, but I agree, he doesn't pull it off. Um, it's still great. Like, I had the absolute pleasure of showing this film to Nicole about five <laughs> weeks ago. And yeah. um, we were just 100% into it. Um, but it's pretty, um, it's, I think it's kind of got that perfect note because it's, it's pretty violent, although I know that they actually cut something like 40 minutes and... There was, mm-hmm. there was way more gratuitous. Yeah, it's not even a 90-minute film. Right, which was probably a good idea. Probably. Um, but there were so many. So the main bad guy, who mm-hmm. is my Facebook friend, Brian Thompson. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. so he's – and he's still working. And, um, oh, yeah. But he, he is the night slasher, and mm-hmm. he's, he just literally, as advertised <laughs> – it just goes around <laughs> at night, <laughs> like, like slashing people. And when I was a kid – and saw this film at too young of an age. Uh, the scenes where he would kill someone felt weird, and uh, later I find out that's because the scene usually went on further, and they showed him cutting off someone's head or their hand. Right. And for the release that most people are going to see, uh, they go to like a slow motion um, scene of the blade instead of the actual violence. So that kind of that mystery was sort of solved for me as a grown up watching the film again and reading about <laughs> it. But, um, yeah, he, he's part of this cult. I think it's called the new, the new order, or the, the new, new world the order. New world yes. Order. Which when I, again, as a kid, I seem to remember so many scenes of them with their, their axes. <laughs> like, but I think oh, that yeah, they're <laughs> constantly banging their axes right. together over their heads. But I think that scene only happened like once. But in my mind, they were regularly getting together to do that. <laughs> I think like, I think there's two scenes where they two. do it, yeah. and it's it's so goofy because they all have these 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 axes that are just super polished and shiny, mm-hmm. and they keep and they just stand there in these this room with flames, and they go clank 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 mm-hmm. clank clank and. What's their What's their purpose? They just the, the the whole point of it is what they just <laughs> kill everybody that's not them and just because I mean I it's it's so goofy. I realize it's supposed to be like social Darwinists or right, something, but right, it, it it's just oh my god, it, it, there, it's it's really what this is is this is the eighties action film boiled down to its barest essentials. Absolutely, it's it, it's you know hard nosed brutal cop. That's, you know, like the loose cannon, you know, versus the the ultimate villains who have no real purpose or drive other than to just kill everything. Exactly. And it's it's and that's it. perfect <laughs> for that. They just they hang out in foundries because it's an 80s movie. So we're going to hang out in foundries. Oh, yeah. Right. And he mm-hmm. puts like like automotive grease in his hair to look badass. Like, oh, yeah. And, and he does. He's a pretty terrifying like 
I, I actually really like how he looks. I think he's really handsome, but he, he looks like a freak, you know? And they just they just do freaky shit. There's no explanation. There's no motive. They're just yeah. So um, very few surprises in this film. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. like, I love how we like like Stallone all through this movie keeps like trying to like tell his partner and and uh, the woman he's protecting like oh you've got to eat better. Uh, oh yeah, that's know, more right. nutrition and blah blah blah. And yet he sits there and takes a, a piece of pizza out of the refrigerator. And uses scissors to cut a part of it off and eats it. I'm like, I thought you were like Mr. Health. <laughs> yeah, he's like, clean, clean up your act. Yeah, yeah, and that's the scene where he pulls a gun out of his pants. Then he sits yes. down, and then he pulls another gun. It was a continuity error. But yes. I like to think of him as literally needing to have two guns down the front of his pants for his well, masculinity. <laughs> like, well, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, the, also, like through the entire movie both both uh, Stallone and, and uh, Brian Thompson look like they're absolutely coated in Vaseline <laughs> which is great like sweaty <laughs> I mean like sweating profusely like even if they haven't done anything right <laughs> they're constantly and, and like Brian Thompson's such a great villain in this because his eyes are bugging out yeah like 24 7 and um there's a scene in the hospital that really feels like it was lifted entirely from Halloween 2 uh with him stalking uh, Bridget Nielsen, uh, and, and you know, like basically killing people, whoever's in his way or whatever in the hospital, and uh, there's no subtlety in the performance, and no. I could care less. <laughs> no, it's great. In fact, I mean, again, as I saw this film when I was like, I don't know, eleven or something, like it was scary. This film scared me. It was really intense. Um, but yeah, look, watching it now, it's it's you know it's pretty unintentionally comedic, and I just have to laugh at um, at the idea that he's cleaning up the city because I did look up the body count and oh god, so fifty two people killed yes. and forty one of them are killed by Cobra. So I have to ask, who is the real menace? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was watching the scene where he's chasing after the bad guys in his his souped up car with the nitrous and everything. Um, it's hysterical watching these cars going up and over these hills and like just flying yeah. like these things. And there's one point when he, his car, he literally floors his car off the second floor of a parking garage Yeah, and it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it, that, it worked out. It just, it, it, it's so over the top, even though it honestly, it doesn't seem like a big budget film. But the stunt work in it, like there's a part where a guy like falls like uh, under their car and they drive over yeah. him, and then another motorcycle runs over him. I'm like, holy crap! Yeah, it kind of had the like that feel of the sort of biker exploitation type of violence. Yeah, kind of to a it. Brian yeah. thing. Yeah, I and I that's one thing I liked about it. Um, I was super surprised because I I hadn't remembered if his partner got killed uh, when I watched yeah. in and the partner survives, which is uh, mm -hmm. I was surprised. Me too. Um, and then of course we haven't mentioned you know Bridget Nielsen. She's the the supermodel who and again an eighties movie always has to have the supermodel doing some kind of fruity uh, photo shoot, right? So she's with, with robots. With robots, <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> she just uh, happens to see the night slasher after he's committed a murder, you know, she's a witness. So yeah. now the whole gang of uh, the new world order is after her and 
her and Marion Combretti start a romance, right? And I think were they married at the time this film was made? Yes. Yeah, they were married for a couple of years. So yeah, yeah. it's uh, it, it's like I said, it's such a uh, a stripped down, you know, by the numbers uh, '80s action because, like, of course, of course, they're going to fall in love. The woman right. he's protecting, uh, <clears throat> and uh, I, I liked how there was like the they were trying to figure out they like. Uh, you know, Cobra is like, well, obviously they've got somebody on the inside, and <laughs> it's and, and the woman that I refer to as Evil Stalker Channing. Yeah, she does look like Stalker Channing. Is <laughs> is, is is the plant, and it's so obvious because the whole time that they're sitting there talking, she's like doing the shifty eyed, yeah, looking the side to side. Who could it be? You know, <laughs> right? he catches her having some like sketchy phone call at night, and she's yeah. like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's like, yeah, okay, does he have a brain cell or not? Probably not. <laughs> Too much pizza, too much um, stale pizza. He doesn't, his brain's all eaten up. And I I did like that it got to see uh, David Rash from Sledgehammer, uh, even though he's not in it for very long. um, He's only in it long enough to, you know, kind of be pervy towards Brigitte as her photographer. Right. And, um, you know, and there's also like somebody like a name that like isn't going to be a real big deal to most people, but uh, Val Avery is uh, the chief of police, and um, I, I just recognize him because he was on Columbo like six times. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I re- I didn't know where I'd seen him, but I'm like I have seen that, and he's of course just always yelling at you know. Oh yeah, yeah. You you, you don't you've, follow you've the got, rules. <laughs> yeah, you've got the requisite scene. You're like, I want your badge. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you're a menace, Capretti. <laughs> Yeah. Well, just so you know, this is um, this is how in my mind I'm I'm marrying Cobretti. This is how badass I am in my mind, walking around, like, yeah, with my little match. No, it's it's um, if I was gonna give someone my top ten list of '80s action, like I, this would be in that list. I, I think it's a super fun film. It's ridiculous and it's um, super great. So I, I assume you're going to give this a pretty high rating on, on your own. I'm going to give it an eight only because I would be embarrassed to give it anything higher, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Um, I, and if you have any regard for Sylvester Stallone, you've got to see it. So <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I give it a nine just because it, it is it a great film. I don't know necessarily, <laughs> but God, is it entertaining? That's right. There, yeah. There's not one moment in it where Stallone's not posing uh, gritting his teeth, um, you know, and then Brian Thompson just constantly is bugging his eyes yeah. out and showing his like humongous teeth uh, as he's hacking people and left and right. And um, it's just, I don't know if you're an eighties action fan that you just can't ignore it. it. It's, it's, it's not on the same level as, you know, like bigger budgeted stuff like lethal weapon. Right. And the right, know. the writing isn't, as good as Lethal Weapon, yeah, yeah, I agree. It's, no, yeah, <laughs> but it, it, but it's definitely it's definitely up there as far as entertainment level. I think I, I think it's a lot of fun. I feel like for an eighties action film, it did not. I don't remember it kicking or punching any guy in the balls, which that's kind of a requirement for me. I think if they had punched oh, yeah. a guy in the balls, I would be giving it a nine because that you know that's kind of a hallmark of the era too. <laughs> so. Uh, well, yeah. One last thing about the movie, though, that I, <clears throat> I I thought pointed to, like I said, I think this is uh, him at the height of his hubris. Is at the end, 
he uh, I, he uh, they, when they put this uh, when the film came out they put out they re-released the novel that this was based on uh, which was called Fair Game by Paula Gosling and he demanded that they put they change the, the the author to his name because he wrote the screenplay oh my and gosh. his screenplay was going to be better known than than her novel <laughs> he it sounds like he was just having kind of a yeah a little uh, cuz i don't think of him as a super e- egotistical guy or at least he hasn't seemed to be in the last few decades i think in the 90s he got a little humbled and kind of came back down to earth but in the 80s that was really his prime time right and uh i i think he got a little full of himself at that point but well we all we all go through our growth our growth personal growth that's absolutely correct uh so we'll be right back with more stocking stuffers right after this to your favorite drive-in theater and a sparkling new season. Watch our screen and local newspapers for all the fine shows coming this way. Show after show will feature the latest hits, the biggest stars for fun-filled, pleasure-packed evenings. Relax, come as you are, and spend an enjoyable night out with the entire family. No parking problems, no babysitting problems. And there are always tasty snacks at our modern refreshment stand. Thanks, folks. And once again, welcome back. Well, you see what I get from the refreshment counter. Oh, boy, popcorn and hot dogs. And ice cream. And oh boy, sparkling ice cold Coca Cola. Oh boy, that tastes good. Have you been to the refreshment counter? Remember, your favorite snack will taste especially good with world famous ice cold Coca Cola. Treat. 
And we're back. For most of us, Christmas is a beloved time of year with gifts, friends and relatives, great food, and time off from work. But for Harry Stadling, it's a way of life. When reality threatens his idyllic life, Harry becomes an avenging force of good cheer with his custom-sharpened toy soldiers penetrating eyeballs of do-batters everywhere. Will he be stopped? Ho, 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 who wouldn't know? <laughs> Anything can happen when Santa chooses to ignore good and lean into Christmas evil. But if you're bad boys and girls, your name goes in the bad boys and girls book, and I'll bring you something horrible. We hope all the boys and girls out there have been good this year, don't we, Bill? We sure do. <laughs> I have something for you. I have superlative taste. <laughs> Santa Claus. That's the only way the police can identify him. Merry Christmas, Frank. It's scary. He's gonna get you. Avoid anyone dressed as Santa Claus. Don't make kids scared again. They won't think everything's coming to them so easy. They're bad. Santa's hit list is goddamn selective. He's making a list. Checking it twice, gonna find out who's naughty or No, no, it wasn't any of these Santa Clauses. His suit had dark fur. Don't! It's gonna hurt our kids. We're not even sure it's him. Not sure my ass. Look at the fur on that suit. <laughs> okay, so... Um, Christmas Evil, I, I first saw this last year, and I was completely taken aback by it because it was not what I thought it was going to be. Right. I was expecting Silent Night, Deadly Night, um, <clears throat> with the, you know, the killer Santa, um, you know, stock and slash, you know, with goofy puns as he kills somebody with Christmas lights or what, you know, whatever. Um this film is really a, a a dark character study about a lonely man and his desire for perfection, and you know how you know and Santa it, to him is perfection of what uh, life should really be about being a good person, and life doesn't measure up to what he wants, and there's not a lot of killings in it. Uh, but I think it's I think it's a really good film. I really like uh, the performance by Brandon Maggart, um, and I, I think he's a very sympathetic character. And um, I really enjoyed it. What did you think? Yeah, boy, I I agree with everything you said. I um, you would assume it was a like low rent cheesy slasher with you know some gore and poor writing. And it starts out that way because we have a really silly primal scene uh, where, you know, usually the serial killer it shows him in the beginning. He has one adverse experience, usually uh, sexual, 
and, yeah, and it's ruined everything. <laughs> and then we flash forward and he's a freak, you know, and, and the movie actually starts out with that. And so I think that was a little misleading, right? Because it sounds like he's going to have these weird, like sexual Santa hangups. And he, it's actually just a scene of him having an adverse childhood experience that screws him up with regard to <clears throat> Santa and then it shows him as a, you know, I don't know, he's 40-something, and he works mm-hmm. in a toy shop, and he's obsessed with Santa kind of all year round. So yeah, again, he sleeps in a Santa, Santa yes, suit. Yes, and he has a lot of Christmas stuff in his house. And and so you, you're still going to be thinking, oh, this is a slasher. This is a silly, you know. But I agree, at that point, it just goes this total different direction, and we don't have a, a kill for, I don't know, I don't know, 45 minutes or something. Yeah. And... um I agree that his performance is actually really great. Um, I I seem to remember he's not a fan of the film, uh, but he did a great job, and um, he's he's experiencing that alienation, um, feeling like the world doesn't protect children and care for children, and that people are materialistic, and you know, um, and he's also this outsider, right? He definitely envies his brother, um, right. His brother, who has a wife and children, and and he has the life that he wants. Yeah. He Although I, I said to Ralph, I'm like, is there any scene in this film where a man isn't berating or yelling at his wife? Because oh, yeah. every man who had a wife in this film is being a dick <clears throat> to his wife. But um, there were some visuals too that were just amazing in this movie. Um, like the scene where he all of a sudden finds himself on a suburban street that is just lit up with a bunch of figures in people's yards. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I wouldn't want to watch this movie again. It was kind of, it had a pacing issue to me. It was so slow. It's a little sluggish, yeah. Yeah, for me it was pretty agonizing. But um, it was a pretty cool movie, I have to say. I I feel like they, with the weird origin story, they kind of, that was kind of a mistake. Because it kind of led you to think you were going a different direction. But, yeah, it was definitely an interesting film. I, I thought that um, <clears throat> it was really interesting as you you watch him slowly unravel. Because first he goes out and he, he like I said, it's not a slasher thing. It's it, He's going out and he's wanting to do good for these children. And like he show, So he goes and he steals all these gifts from his work because work kind of screwed him over. And he brings all these gifts to this orphanage and uh, <clears throat> you know, he tells him, it's like, Oh, go get people. Cause I've got all these gifts for the kids. And the guy goes like, okay, well you can't come inside. You got to wait here. And so he goes to get people. And while the guy is inside, he he's, he's there and he's trying to practice, you know, saying Merry Christmas. And you really see him like the look in his eyes is like, you know, I'm Santa. Right. This is real for me. And he he's so happy when they come out and they see and they're appreciative of the gifts and he gives them the gifts. Uh, and then he goes to the company Christmas party and all the kids <clears throat> are so excited. And, and the adults too are very excited that he's there and so happy for, and, and the look on his face is like, he feels like he's finally accepted. Right. He's so happy. And, but then he's got this line uh, that I, I absolutely, I love the way they do it. There's no music behind what he's saying to like make it sound 
like dramatic or anything. It's just the way he does it, and, and it's it's quiet, uh, where he's talking about like, oh, if you're great girls and boys, you know, I'll bring you great gifts and blah blah blah. And then he pauses and it's real quiet, and he's like, but if you're bad, I'll bring you something awful. Yeah. And there's like this pause, and everyone's like, what? You know, and then he goes, <laughs> you know, and he's like doing the ho 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 thing, and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, that was a great scene because when he peeks in at the party, the five or six kids there are all sort of sleeping on, you know, chairs. They're they're like these kids that are being neglected because their parents are drinking and carousing. Right. And there were a lot of scenes like that where I feel like the film was saying something about how we we say that Christmas is for kids, but that most adults are behaving very selfishly and self in a self-absorbed way. I think that was one of the major points of the film because he clearly has a tender heart for children. There's several yeah. scenes in the film where he interacts with children and he he never comes anywhere close to harming them. Like even the little boy he's obsessed with. What's well, his name? Moss. Yeah, the little boy he... He's spying on. He he is disturbingly spying on children at the beginning of the film. But <clears throat> yeah, he doesn't yeah. hurt the child. He he brings no. a bag of dirt. So he clearly has this weird, warped sense of right and wrong. But he also code. yeah. But he also is protective. Um, and he's it in the film. He's the only adult that is paying attention to children. All the other adults aren't. Even the toy makers, right? They're right. They have this fake campaign about raising, you know, donating toys, but it's really for their stockholders, right? So, yeah, it's their PR. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that little scene where he's like, "I'll bring you something horrible." That was creepy, and yeah. um, that was well done. And yeah, it's it's definitely I can see why it's got a cult following because it mm. is a pretty interesting film. And and did I looked up this actor and. Did you know that he is Fiona Apple's father? I did, yes. That is the goofy the whole movie I'm sitting there and I'm like I am not seeing it. <laughs> like, I'm <laughs> just really not. really like an out of left field kind of yes, thing. Yes it to is. Find out. Yep, I'm reading it I'm like I, I guess his other daughter also has a pretty successful career in some kind of performance arts, but yeah, I was like uh <laughs> I'm like I wouldn't have put that one together. <laughs> well, also the uh the little kid that he, you know, is on his naughty list. Uh, his mother is Patricia Richardson from Home Improvement. Right, right. Isn't that funny? Uh, which, which is bizarre, too. Um, uh, but it's got uh, Jeffrey DeMunn as his brother. Right. And I really like seeing him, an early role for him as well. Uh, and I think he does a really good job with the, with the role, like, struggling with, like, he loves his brother, but he just infuriates him. Because yeah. he can't let go of this Christmas thing. Yeah, actually, so the way that he treated his family was horrible, like his wife mm-hmm. and his kids. But the way that he was preoccupied with his brother, I thought was, I mean, I don't have a sibling struggling with, with mental illness, but the that seemed like a great, <clears throat> that was rendered really well. Because he, his brother hasn't done anything. His brother's just sort of out of contact and you can see him getting more and more edgy because he yeah. just, he just has that sense that something's up. And when his brother finally shows up at the door and he says, I knew it was you. Like I, I really liked that bit of writing. I thought that was really well done. Yeah. He, he's, uh, you know, he knows his brother is the one responsible for the murders that right. are going on, you know, but, but he's not, 
he gets angry at him and he chokes him till he's unconscious. Right. Um, but he doesn't. He's a, he doesn't want to hurt him necessarily, but he says it's just the rage that he's felt. It's like, uh, you know, yeah. he just knew this day was coming. Right. You know? <laughs> that was one of the scenes where I, I looked at Ralph. I'm like, no one in this film knows how to call the police. <laughs> there, <laughs> there are several incidents where someone would have stepped in and grabbed a phone. And, <laughs> you know, no one does that. They all just sit and watch as some of these events unfold. But the, um there was also, did you catch that uh, Raymond J. Berry was in the film as a young cop? I did. Yeah, he's, I, I've always liked him, and I haven't seen him much in, in, as a young man, so that was kind of cool. He doesn't have a big role or anything, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, for those people like who are looking for some violence, and yes, there is, he goes, he, he go, kind of goes off on the steps of this church. Uh, he just snaps, and he, he uses a hatchet and kind of hits a bunch of people in the head, and uh, you know, stabs a guy in the eyeball with a sharpened toy soldier or whatever, and uh, then he then he smothers the the guy, one guy who screwed him over at work uh, while he's sleeping. Yeah. Uh, well, he smothers him, then he cuts his throat because he won't die. I guess <laughs> it's harder to kill someone than you think. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and the ending, it's funny. A lot of people hated the ending when it came out because they thought it was, you know throwing everything out the window to make it a fantasy and i disagree i believe because what happens at the end the, the the cops and the mob are coming after him in his his santa van and <clears throat> he drives off a bridge and the next thing you know you see him flying through the air like santa like the van is flying and he's like oh ho, ho, and he's right. just going for you know off into space and i you know in my opinion, he's actually dead. Right. That that's just in his head. He just sees himself doing that because, like, if you listen when when he goes off the bridge, you hear a crash. Yes, you do. Which some people thought was the noise of the brother rolling down the hill and crashing into some random garbage. But yeah, I I think that I think the ending could be open to interpretation. But I feel like you do that. In his mind, he's flying, and in real life, he he perishes in an explosion. Yeah, so I I really liked it because it it, it was it wasn't what I expected. It was a but it was a change of pace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you know, like you said, I mean, like I, I don't see myself watching this all the time. Um, but I really am glad that I saw it because it does have a, a really strong lead performance. Mm-hmm. So what would uh, what, what would you give? Those you know, things? I agree. With, I I think I agree with everything you've said. I still am gonna. It's like I, I give it a six because it's such a downer, and the first twenty minutes led me one direction, and it really for me the pacing was way too slow. But I I agree. Uh, he had a great performance, and it was an interesting film. Yeah, I give I give it a seven. Um, you know, the only thing that keeps me from rating it higher is, is it does have pacing issues. Um, I agree with that, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> but I, I really do think that if you're in the mood for something, you know, different, mm-hmm. uh, if, if you're not like, oh, God, I need to watch, like, a slasher movie, um, you want to see something uh, that might surprise you, I, I think it's worth checking out. Yeah, definitely. And it is on Shudder. Um, it's. I, I don't know how much longer it's going to be on there, but it is still on there. Um, <clears throat> uh, so finally, who says the holidays can involve 
drunken rants, filthy phone calls, abortion, and serial killings with glass unicorns. Certainly not Billy, who apparently has one too many eggnogs to go with his childhood psychosis. He's invaded Jess's sorority house on Christmas Eve, and woe to those who don't respect his disgusting prank calls. And he's got so many exciting victims to choose from. Beautiful Jess fighting with her controlling boyfriend Peter, foul-mouthed Barb, introvert Phil, and oddly silent Claire. As the night progresses, jingle bells jingle, stockings get stuffed, and Billy goes berserk. Can the uber-sexy John Saxon save the girls, or will this go down in history as a black Christmas? (laughs) Silent night, evil night. Right off the bat, I know you love John Saxon. Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) What what, was he to your liking in this film? Yeah, actually. I I actually loved every second he was on screen. Um, Although this film is is great, and um, there's so much good stuff going on in this movie. Um, But yes, that was a huge perk for me. (laughs) (laughs) I I knew it would be. (laughs) So, okay, I I showed this... um, Last year at my, my horror movie night, and people okay, this movie is 1974, and, and people were like, Wow, I didn't realize there were movies with this kind of language. Uh huh, yeah. I and, and honestly, I I watched it, I was like, Holy crap, is that the first time the C word has been in a major film? And because is, is it? I don't know, yeah, I'm not sure, yeah, but. It's in there, and it's in there a lot. It, like whenever he, Billy calls, right? He calls. Um, by the way, like the voice of Billy is, is Nick Mancuso, mm-hmm. uh, who's not in the film otherwise, um, but he does the voice. And they did like a, a sound mix with different things of him, uh, him saying different stuff. So they, that's why they like at one point they go, "Is that more than one person?" Right. And um, <clears throat> they just let him apparently just riff. They didn't give him a script of things to say. And it is some of the most unnerving stuff. Well, I know that there were three people that performed the obscene phone calls. Nick did most of it, but so did the director, Bob Clark, and then an actress who yeah. was uncredited, which is such a bummer. But, um, yeah, the film opens with a sorority house party right around Christmas time, and the young women get a phone call and they're, they listen cause they, there's a implication that he's called before. And right. so they're kind of letting it play out and listening. And Margot Kidder, who is excellent in this film, mm-hmm. uh, playing Barb, she's, she's the, she's drinking, she's smoking, she's foul mouthed. She's, you know, verbally, um, uh, trying to antagonize this caller 
And most of the other young women are listening with some degree of horror and feeling unsettled, like, like most people would. And right. that, like you say, that first call is extremely obscene and disturbing. And I agree. It was, I, I too was shocked at 1974 with the language I was. But yeah, the, the calls were very well done in this movie. Well, the best part about that call, though, and it's absolutely chilling, is he's ranting and raving, saying all these horrible things, like <laughs> making these weird noises, and all of a sudden it's just he's quiet and he's like, I'm going to kill you. Right. And then, and then he hangs, hangs up, up and you're yeah. like, oh, shit. Yep. That was great. <laughs> That's scarier than the whole thing that preceded it. Yeah, that was because good. Because it's so quiet, you know. Um, well, first of all, Margot Kidder is an absolute force in this movie. Yeah, she's great. Uh, she, I mean, she comes in like like a bomb went off, and she's she's drinking the entire time. She's smoking like a chimney. She's talking about, you know, she loves turtles because turtles can hump for three straight days and, you know, boom, boom, boom. And, and she's just absolutely delightful. And you want to hang out with her. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I felt I like do. she was a pretty miserable human being. Um, and she says some terrible things. Uh, oh, yeah. Because so in the film, there's been a rape. Um, and mm. I couldn't tell if they were saying that, that it had been a rape and a murder or not. But at the Beginning of the film, Margot Kidder's character says, well, you can't rape a townie. Um, right. You know, so so there's a rape that's out there and they're getting these calls. And one of the young women goes up to pack and get ready to go. And I think that's like 14 minutes in. Yeah, uh, and she, yeah, she's murdered right away in her room. Mm-hmm. And now this is pretty unbelievable. But somehow the killer gets her body up into the attic. So, yes. Yeah, which doesn't seem like that could have happened, but so the <laughs> the young women are especially led by Jess, that's Olivia Hussey. They are trying to find out where Claire went for most of the film. Right, and her dad shows up. Her dad shows up, her boyfriend gets involved, and a lot of slashers that have a significant body count, like most of them do, um, you you find it disbelief like it's not easy to believe that they wouldn't tune in a little quicker than they're tuning in to what's happening. But this was a fairly convincing plot line for me um, mm-hmm. because Claire goes missing and they start looking for her pretty pretty early on, like they would. And yes. they're saying this isn't like her to go missing. And the cop actually does tune in pretty early on, right? John Saxon is mm-hmm. he gets on the case, and then they're they're continuing to get these calls. And Olivia Hussey and John Saxon, the cop, start to look into those as well. And uh, the, the, there's a brilliant plot device where most of the girls have left um, because it's the holiday. And right. so that's one reason they're not all tracking who is where, right? Um, because mm-hmm. the, I think the second person to get murdered is the uh, house mother, right? Mrs. Mack. Yes. Yeah. And but she had said she was going to leave, and so nobody notices she's gone. So exactly, you know, that was pretty cool, actually, how that was done. I blame Claude. That okay, that part of the film irritated me. What happened to Claude? <laughs> what where did what Nothing. happened to him? Nothing. Nothing. Why you, you hear Claude later on? Yeah, but everyone's looking for this cat, Claude. Yes, and then he disappears, and no one gives a shit for the rest of the film. Uh, like well, that I was think they're weird. more worried about the murderer. I think I think I'd be looking for the my friend and my kitty if it was me. Um, well, sure. Um, yeah. 
yeah, so they're, they're, um, and while they're looking for Claire, it's discovered that a 13-year-old girl has gone missing, and they do find her body, and she's been raped and killed. And I, right. I don't know if they were saying that the, the killer in the sorority is the same person, but I kind of feel like they were. Yeah, they never elaborate whether or not Billy's responsible for that one. Right. Or not. Um, <clears throat> and it's interesting because they never, they never spell out who Billy is. Right. It, he's just this random, weird, clearly deranged person that, that's hidden in the attic and he's taking people out. Um, and I will tell you, I love this film. I'm a big fan of it. However, there's one thing at the end that absolutely infuriates me because it's ridiculous and would never happen in real life. Even though it's meant to be a creepy moment, it's ridiculous. So there's been this serial killer. He's killed a, a bunch of people in this sorority house. And, you know, she has uh, beaten uh, her boyfriend, uh, played by Kier DeLay. She's bludgeoned him to death, thinking that he's the killer. Okay? Which he, he deserved that, even though he wasn't the killer. <laughs> so. Well, if, if for nothing else than that, that hairstyle. And, and, and the, the shirt, the Orlon turtleneck. Go on, <laughs> yeah. go on. Uh, and the cops do not search the house. Yeah. There are bodies up in the attic. They never look up there once. And they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, we're going to sedate her heavily and then leave her alone. Yeah. In the house, the crime scene. We're not taking her to the hospital. We're just going to leave her here. In a dark room. In a dark room with no cops around. I mean, it's ridiculous. I I totally agree with you. Like I, the scene was cool and creepy, right? Because it's creepy, but yes, the last scene of the film, it's very incomplete because you know something's going to happen. There, something, but the killer is still up in the attic, and the Claire, who's got a plastic bag over her head, is like her head is against the window, and they pull away. And you know, it's cool that they ended on that note. Like something's about to happen. You don't know what. But I completely agree with you because not only are there a couple people missing, there's been a raped and murdered girl, all of those things, but they knew that the calls were coming from inside the house. So there yes. is no way that they wouldn't have been tearing that house apart with a lot of lights on. I am exactly. 100%, I'm 100% with you on that. It was a, that was the <clears throat> only disappointing part of the film, um, the only majorly disappointing part of the film for me. Yeah, it, it, it. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you just turn your brain off and don't think about it, the ending is great. Right. Because it, it's super sinister and creepy. The camera pulls away, slowly dollies away from the house. There's no sound except for the wind and like a dog in the distance barking or whatever. And there's a cop on the porch lighting a cigarette just kind of hanging out and then they hear the phone ring right the phone's ringing ringing and then the credits silently roll and it's like oh wow that's creepy but it's dumb because (laughs) that would never happen plus you're telling me like in broad daylight nobody would see the dead person in the window upstairs right at some point yeah (laughs) 
I, you know? Especially, like I said, when they knew that the killer had been in this house for uh, for all this time. I mean, come on. Right. Yeah. And, and, and the fact that Claire has been missing this entire time and have right. never found her body. Right. But we're uh, not going to search that attic. No, we'll get around to it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, um, but... Like we've talked about this, the more we like a film, the more we pick it apart. And yeah, yeah. Um, you know that that scene was disappointing. I felt like there are a few other disappointing scenes um, when they find the body of the dead girl, and so they have to have the thirteen-year-old girl. They have to have some woman screaming and screaming and screaming. That's super irritating. Yeah. Don't feel like that's super realistic. I will <laughs> say though. I could go on at length, which I won't, about how great the relationship between Jess and Peter was portrayed in this film. Um, uh-huh. You know, you and I are often talking about, you know, is a film feminist or not? That, the way that was played out was great. I was totally impressed. I wanted Peter to be murdered, like, really early on. <laughs> <laughs> like, what a son of a bitch. But um, boy, was was that an impressive performance by Olivia Hussey. She was just awesome in this film. Yeah, I, I think it was very progressive for the time. Because... It'd be, it would be progressive today to show that dynamic, oh, yeah. like where he's telling her he wants to get married and he's saying nothing will change. You'll still be it'll be the same. And she's she's like. I will not be able to get done what I need to do if I get married. And that's still true today for women that marriage tends to derail their life. And I felt like that was really well done because she cares for him and he doesn't get it. And she's trying to explain it to him in a way that's not, you know, devastating him. But um, yeah. what was that? Was that some great writing? Yeah. And, and, and he's definitely got, major rage and control issues as he smashes his classical grand piano with his uh, mic stand um uh i i i thought the way that they filmed barb or barb's death was really really cool with the Uh, the animals with the with the the unicorn and it's in slow-mo as he's like rising it up and down and it was just really what they did in, in a way that was it wasn't exploitive. It was very um, visually interesting. And um, I, I've tried freeze framing it when you see him because you see him and he's backlit. Right. And you see his face and it's like, is is that Cure Delay? Because it kind of looks like him. Right. Especially the hair. Um, but I know that the when it came to playing the body of Billy, that was the director, Bob Clark. Um, <clears throat> so I, I don't know if that's Bob in that close up or not. Um, well, yeah. And like, um, the, uh, what was I going to say about that? Um, shoot. Now I can't remember. Yeah. I, the, they really didn't try to play around with, oh, it might be so-and-so. It might be so-and-so, uh, you know, a lesser film would have said, oh, it might be the cop, you know, it might be uh, the dispatch cop, you know, it might be, but they, uh, or it might be the boyfriend of Claire, right? That's who I thought it might be for a half. Oh, minute. Art Hindle. Yeah, and the mm-hmm. but because these men were had alibis during these phone calls, the only explanation would have been that they had an accomplice, and right. um, a lesser film would have had that's that's classic, right? It's like oh, it can't be so like in Scream, right? It's oh, it's because it's two guys, right? That's why I saw so and so. He had an alibi, but um, no, they, the film didn't even bother. It's not trying to 
pretend it's anyone. But you could also see why Jess starts to become concerned that it's Peter. Um, oh yeah, yeah. especially <laughs> the uh, especially the abortion comment that the caller makes about uh, like having a wart removed. Yeah, and I just love that. I mean, actually, it was pretty intense like she she had to think about whether she was going to tell him or not she chooses to tell him she's pregnant and then he just is such an asshole he's he immediately <laughs> oh, yeah. starts calling her selfish and i'm like oh peter your number's up you and your sweater <laughs> <laughs> so. um also uh lastly I, I i loved seeing uh a young andrea martin in yeah, this yeah pre-sctv so um i was bummed that she got killed but they didn't show it thankfully so <laughs> yeah she that i agree with you that even though it is a slasher and it does target these young sorority women it's not an exploitive um film and no that's no, not at a all. surprise i mean um that was a pleasant surprise as pleasant as a slasher can be and um, she and she uh played the house mother in the black christmas remake which did you see that i i did and did you like it um, I liked some of it. Uh, I didn't like the twist they put in there. You saw it, right? Nope. It's 2006, oh, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's a twist in it, uh, that's a little different that I did not care for. And it's a little gross. Okay. I mean, it's definitely much gorier than the original film, uh, which I don't mind necessarily, but, uh, I, I just, uh, I like for me, this film, like I, I give this film a ten. I love it. It, it I think it's a perfect Christmas uh, slasher film. Um, the remake, I mean, I give like a five. Um, it has it has some moments and it. it has an, an attractive young cast and everything, but um, it's got too many things and I don't care for. Um, uh, I did. I do have to say, I loved Andrea Martin's boyfriend, um, who had like, <laughs> the Avery Schreiber look. Oh my god. With the humongous, the biggest white guy fro I've yeah, ever seen in my life. I, I I was like, I said, Ralph, the these are sorority <laughs> women and their boyfriends are 10 years older and just ugly. <laughs> Although Claire's boyfriend was kind of cute and he was, he had a cute little fur coat. But um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Kira and whatever, uh, Andrew's boyfriend were ugly dudes. Um, yeah, and I, I like the different... Um, uh, personas that they gave the young women, they weren't um, tropes, right? They seemed like, yeah. you know, because Phil is a very, like, gentle, soft-spoken, loving, like, caring friend, you know, and Jess is our heroine, and she's got this struggle that she's, you know, trying to navigate, and, you know, Margot Kidder was, you know, troubled dipsomaniac, trying to deal with family drama on Christmas and being a jerk, you know, so, yeah, it was... <laughs> It was, um, I mean, it took me a long time to even check the film out, but I, I think it's rock solid and I look forward to seeing it again. So what did you give it? I'm going to give it a nine. I think nice. the, the ending just, because if, if I'm going to write a mystery about a killer, but I'm not going to even bother coming up with any kind of story, um, <laughs> I don't know, that seems like an easy way out. So I'm, I'm going to give it a nine. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's, it, it's so funny because like whenever you hear people say, uh, Halloween was the first slasher film, uh, and that's not true. Yeah. Black Christmas really establishes like the, the tropes. Yeah. Uh, about like, um, four years earlier. 
Um, I mean, let, let, leaving, leaving the Jalo completely out of the c- equation because that's a completely different story. Um, but Black Christmas did it first and did it very, very well. Um, not to take anything away from Halloween because that is a classic. But yeah. uh, and and I mean, we didn't mention uh, John Saxon much, but he has a great role in this. Um, you know, he's not a hardened cop. He's he's not a badass cop. He's just a good cop. He he does his job. He's got a couple different things on his plate, and I really like the phone tracing scenes in this. That was uh, really cool. Yeah, and, you saw the, the the inside of the phone exchanges and stuff. Yeah, so I I actually really because a lot of times the cops in these movies are just not interesting or. Although they did have the trope with the cop out. If you ever put a cop car out in front of your house, that guy's a goner. He's oh, yeah. Never, ever. If you're a cop, don't ever volunteer to do the uh, stakeout. No, no. Because you're dead meat. But you, even if you got a partner or not. But, but I mean, besides that little trope um, of the guy in the front getting, getting his throat cut or whatever, uh, I liked how they portrayed the police in this film. So it was pretty, pretty great. So you, did you say you gave it a 10? I, yes, yeah. it, it, it's my favorite Christmas uh, horror film. Um, yeah, I, I did like the fact that he was—he he was just a regular Joe. He was—he was a cop, a guy who goes to work, you know, nine to five or whatever, and does his job and goes home. And now he's stuck in this, you know, extraordinary situation, uh, you know. And he didn't—he didn't treat her like she was an idiot. No, you know, he in believed fact, her. And there uh, were so many cool scenes, like when he came, comes to the house and cure. Peter storms out. He kind of looks over his shoulder as like, this is a possibility. This guy, you know, he doesn't know this guy. He doesn't know who he is. So he's very, he's alert, you know, to the, and he takes it seriously that they're getting these calls. You know, he doesn't say, oh, you know, it's no big deal. Uh, There's a lot of scenes like that. Like when he, he's pressing Jess to explain the baby comment. And he, he's like, I do have to know, I do have to know this information about your personal life. Um, that yeah. was, that was well done. Um, so yeah, yeah I didn't feel like he was trying to be a dick. It not felt at like all. I need to know this information. Yeah. Not that was well written. I thought because it's stressful for her, but it, it's something she does have to disclose. So I, I don't know. I thought it was like super great film. So thank you, because um, I hadn't seen it, and I was like, not really wanting to get around to it, but I'm really glad we watched it. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thanks again for joining us. You can check out Kelly's Musings Without My Interruptions on her website, bmoviebffs.com, and you can write to us at moviemorgue1 at att.net. We have a Facebook page along with our Instagram and Twitter feeds for your enjoyment as well. And hooray and huzzah to us as we're finally official on iTunes with all the actually legit shows. So please rate and subscribe if you can. Uh, leave us a review. Uh, that helps us move up on the visibility ladder so more folks can soak up the movie nerd goodness we provide. So much exciting stuff coming up in the new year, and we can't wait to share them with you. So until next time, as Spidey says, remember, with great power comes great responsibility, and we'll see you next month. All right, good night. That was very nice, Larry. Now, folks, let's all have a cocktail before we go into dinner. Oh, that's fine. And, Jack, if you don't mind, I'd like to propose a toast. Of course, Ronnie. We'd love to have you do it. I propose a toast to the world. A world which has just survived the bloodiest and costliest of all human conflicts. A world which was so nearly led back to the dark ages of oppression and slavery 
by cruel and greedy men who traded in hate. It seems impossible that there could be any more suffering than mankind has just endured. But it is possible, and it will happen, if we lose sight of the lessons so bitterly learned. Let us remember that men everywhere are our neighbors, and their right to life and freedom is as precious to them as ours is to us. So here's a toast to all the people in the world. May we, by working together for a lofty purpose and with God's help, achieve the goal that mankind for 20 centuries has striven for. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas everybody. Merry again to Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman and their friend Mr. Wellington for spending the evening with us. And I and my whole gang want to wish everybody everywhere a very Merry Christmas. Good night. (laughs) 